17, the day that male preach. Well, it's a Christian holiday. It's a holiday that Christians don't celebrate <laughs> uh, for whatever reason. According to Christian tradition, uh, May 15 was the day of Pentecost. The day of Pentecost. So today is the second Sunday of the day of Pentecost. That is why the last two Sundays was a very special day. It's a day when the Holy Spirit descended, literally descended upon all flesh. As it was prophesied in the book of Joel chapter 3. Also, what Jesus has said in, in the Gospel of John, John chapter 16, that the Holy Spirit will come after he himself, Jesus, ascend to heaven. That is why that day was a very special day. The day that the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, poured out his spirit on all flesh, according to Acts chapter 2. A day that we should celebrate. And that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to pick up our series of what it means to be filled by the Spirit. Last time we talked about, just gave a general summation of what it means to be filled. Today we're going to talk about what it means to be filled by the Holy Spirit by being sanctified by Him. When I was at Atlanta Christian College taking classes there, it was at nighttime, and at, at nighttime, the professors would allow us to go to take a break. So we would go to the break room, and as me, a buddy, and me and a buddy of mine, so we went to the break room, I saw two ladies talking to each other. One lady held her hand up and said, are you ready for it? The other lady held, but, held both of her hands up and said, yes, I am. She said, Pow! there it is. The lady fell to the floor, started kicking and screaming, and I'm looking at my, looking at my buddy, looking at them, looking at that chip, that, that bag of chips that I want, and say, okay, what is going on? So as she's kicking and screaming, I put my change in the, in the vending machine, got my bag of chips, and went back to class. <laughs> That's very prevalent in our day when it comes to the Holy Spirit or being filled as people say, by the Holy Spirit. I want to show you a video. Before I show the video to you, it's two well-known people that you are very familiar with. I'm not picking at them. I'm not going to state their names because this sermon is being recorded. <laughs> but for the most part, I'm sure you can make your own observation and judgment as well about these two individuals. And I'm using them as an illustration, as a sermon illustration. Can you turn it up? 
a little off guard, Bishop. A, a, a couple of, uh, what was it, three or four days ago? Three or four days ago, I, I called. I was at Manpower. And um, being blessed, wrote my check out. I said, you know, I, I didn't have my checkbook when I got to Pastor White's. Uh, when I got to a uh, uh, woman that I lose the night before, and Pastor White said, you know, write a check for $113,000. Those of you who can't, write a check for $113 for Psalms 113. And I wrote a check for $113,000. And I admit, my intention was to just leave the check and bless God. Because, see, I love to give. I've been a giver all my life. And when people have given to you and sown into you and God has touched them and given given you favor, because see, when you have favor with, come on somebody, see, they don't understand it where I come from, they don't understand it in Hollywood, but I'm going to tell you something about the blood of Jesus, all of my life, you know, my mother, she didn't have much to give me. She didn't have millions of dollars. She didn't have some legacy, but she had Jesus. And she taught me about that God. So I didn't even know that he was he was trying to build this youth center. I didn't even know it, but I know how important the youth are. So we were sitting in the service, and I leaned up toward him, and I said, I've just been touched to give a million dollars. So as... So when you got up here and you said a million dollars, I said, God, I don't know what you're doing, but I know I heard your voice. I'm going to tell you right now, when you hear the voice of God, you move. Don't worry about what nobody says to you. Don't worry about what it looks like. Don't worry about your enemy. Don't worry about your hater. He will bless you. He will lift you. He will give you. Sometimes you spend too much time worried about your haters. You spend too much time worried about people talking about you. But what you need to understand is that the Bible says in order for you to be blessed, your haters have to be present. How do I know that? The book of Psalms says he prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemy. So in order for me to eat, they have to be present. So God bless you, Bishop. I pray right now that you will continue to do everything you're doing. I pray his anointing will stay upon you. I pray the power of God all over you. I pray his favor. I pray the blood of Jesus will come upon you right now. Keep you in the care. God, I thank you for your blessing.
Is it uh, the video, Arlen? Just uh, hit, there we go. No, go back. Go back. Hit ESC at the top left corner of the keyboard. All right. Uh, click join again. Is that the right side of the screen? Go down, 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 down to the right. You see my handsome face with my lovely wife right there. Go down a little bit more. To the right, to the there we go. Click that. Or click on the picture. Yeah. Join not click join again. All right. There we go. Technology, right? All right. Now, if you are a fan of those two individuals, again, you are either mad at me <laughs> or you will understand I'm using them as an illustration. All right? Because I want to point out what it means to be feel by the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. As I said five weeks ago, we talked about it. We talked about what it means to be filled by the Holy Spirit. And today we're going to talk about being filled and the aspect of being sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Ask yourselves, what does it mean to be sanctified by the Holy Spirit? When you ask yourself that, what comes to your minds? As you can see behind me, the New Hampshire Baptist Confession stated this about sanctification. We believe that sanctification is the process by which, according to the will of God, we are made partakers of his holiness. That is a progressive work that has begun in regeneration and that is carried on in the hearts of believers by the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. The Greek Bible dictionary defined this uh, sanctification as this, a dedication to the Lord and or a dedication to moral purity. I'm going to show you my definition. How I define sanctification. Sanctification is a progressive, progressive difficulty of holiness. It is a difficulty that requires submission to the Holy Spirit so that he can purge the sin out of our lives by which he shall conform us to and in the image of Jesus 
Christ. Stand sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Beloved, the bottom line is this. If you are not being sanctified by the Holy Spirit, then you are being sanctified by somebody else or something else. If you are not allowing the Holy Spirit to sanctify you on a daily basis, you are allowing someone to sanctify you. And it's more likely our flesh. Most often, this is the case. This is the case for Christians. That when we are converted and we believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ, we just stop there at that process and do not lead, continue to on the path of sanctification. And if that's the case for you, and you are being filled not by the Holy Spirit, but by the flesh, beloved. Our natural bodies are inclined to sin. It is inclined to sin. In the Greek uh, dictionary, it defines sin as sarts. It gave, it gave me different meanings. The human nature, the physical form, the character of humans. I think that fits the description. It gives us different connotations. And it's obvious that this word describes the physical nature of people, but it also pertains to the sinfulness of people as well. Beloved, the human nature, our nature is sinful. It is sinful. Our, our souls are encapsulated by our physical form, and our physical form is our physical bodies. If we allow our fleshly bodies to dictate our souls and our spirit, we will die by our flesh. Why do you think I say that? Here's the reason I said that. Look at Romans chapter 18, verse 13. This is only part of this particular scripture. Paul wrote to the Romans and said, If you live according to the flesh, you will die. You will die. How do I qualify that for those who are not in the body of Christ and for those who are in the body of Christ? I qualify this as for those who are not in the body of Christ, not only you would die spiritually and physically, for those who are in the body of Christ, yes, beloved, you will die physically but not spiritually. If you are living by the sinfulness of your flesh or our flesh, we would die in many ways. 
Could that be in the physical sense? Yes. Could that also be in the spiritual sense for the Christian? Yes. For those who don't have the saving faith of Jesus Christ, I tell you, as of this moment, listen to my voice. You must be born again. You must be born again to enter into the kingdom of heaven. And if you're not born again, you would die physically. You would die again, the second death, according to the book of Revelation, a spiritual one for all eternity. Because you are not living, because you are living by the flesh, and you are not born again by the power of the Holy Spirit. Beloved, our flesh, it's, it's interesting. We, I'm sure you can attest this for yourselves. Our flesh desire to sin. It desire to consume more and more. The more that you give to your flesh, the more it will desire. Our flesh, the desire to sin, a desire to sin with our eyes, a desire to sin with the tongue, a desire to sin in boasting of itself. Boasting of worldly things. That's what James says. James says in the book of James, James chapter 1, verse 14 through 15, it says, But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then the desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's fully grown, brings forth death. I'm sure you can look in your own lives as much as I can and say, in this area of my life, sin has caused me great trouble because I allow it. Many of you know uh, that my car is dented on the driver's side. Uh, if you go outside and you look at my car, you say, oh, Travis has got a big dent on his uh, on car. But many of you don't know the story behind that. When I was on my way to pick up Crystal from work, she worked downtown, downtown Akron at the library, so you can get all your books from her. I'm just kidding. But uh, as I was driving on, I think, Highway 56, the inner belt. Yeah, Highway 56. 59, thank you. Ohioans. <laughs> As I was driving on Highway 59, exiting Highway 59, going on to, uh, I believe, West Market Street that will lead you right downtown to, to Akron Public Library. Now, if you're not careful, as, as you're driving on this particular highway, exiting off, they have stoplights, traffic lights. Yeah. <laughs> 
as I was driving, I'm assuming that the traffic light is green. I assume that. I'm looking behind me and continuing through this traffic light, not knowing another car is coming my way. Now, the other motorists had the right-of-way. I did not. So when we both collided, she hit the driver's side of my car, standing up my door. I got out the car, and I looked at the traffic light, and I looked at her traffic light, and at that very moment, I started to concoct a story within my own heart. Within my own heart. Because I know it is my word against hers. I got out, started taking pictures of her car, taking pictures of mine, and like, yes, I am building a case against her. But when I looked at that traffic light, I know it was red and it was undeniable. I still want to proceed with the lie. So I called the cops. They came by. They asked me, okay, what was the color of your traffic light? (laughs) Yellow? (laughs) She answered, what was the color of your traffic light? Green. At the very end of that ordeal, the Holy Spirit just convicted me so bad where my heart and my intestines start to churn and twist and my heart started to get harder and softer and to the point where I was like, my traffic light was red. (laughs) Beloved, our sin is like that dent in my car. The more that you allow sin in your lives, the more it will put dents in your souls. Isn't this not just not like us? If we allow sin to prevail in our lives? If you go through the, if you survey the characters of the Bible, you will see it all throughout Scripture. Abraham lied concerning his wife. Saul lied and disobeyed God. The man after God's own heart, David, lied concerning Bathsheba. Sin is nothing to play with, beloved. Solomon, allowing him one of the greatest men of all time with a lot of wisdom but yet was still a fool. In many cases, beloved, don't take this the wrong way. In many cases, we are just like Judas or no better than he is. Anytime that we offer Our lives to sin, we are saying that our sin is far better than God. We're exchanging 
We're exchanging our sin for the glory of God and for our sinful desires. This is how our flesh operates. And this is what what Paul has said as well when it comes to desires. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh, for these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. For those who don't have that internal struggle, I really want you to ask yourself, are you truly in the Lord? Do you really know the Lord? For those who mildly have this internal struggle, why are you not progressing in sanctification? And for those who battle on a daily basis, kudos. Continue. Because it only takes one desire to lie, beloved. One desire. It only takes one desire to be addicted to pornography. It only takes one desire to lust after someone who don't belong to you. It only takes one desire to have sex outside of the bounds of marriage. It only takes one desire, beloved, to steal. Just one desire. As one pastor said, if you give sin an inch, it would take a mile. If you give it a mile, it will take a city. Don't be deceived, beloved. Let us not be deceived. And one article that I was reading by John Piper, for those who know him, a pastor and theologian, he said it this way concerning sin and our desires. We never merely lead God because we value him little. We always exchange God for what we value more. So at that particular time, whatever you're doing, in that very moment, you're saying to God, I value this more than you. John Piper went on to say, as you can see behind me, before Christ, sin isn't an alien power in us. Sin isn't, is not, proper grammar, it's not an alien power within us. Sin is our preference for anything over God. Sin is our disapproval of God. Sin is our exchange of his glorious glory for um, substitutes. Sin is our suspicion of his truth. Sin is our heart's hostility to him. It is who we are to the bottom of our hearts. That's a good definition. That is a good definition. This is where John Piper gets his definition from, straight from Paul. Paul said it himself in Romans chapter 7, verse 18, 18 through 20. So no longer, so no, it is no longer I who, who do it, 
but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do what do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. Some of you might be thinking why I'm bringing this out. So we're still talking about sanctification. Because if we're not progressing in sanctification, we take a lot of pride within our own selves. Whenever we accomplish something of our own selves, we take pride in it. We boast in our own might. I know Chris and I do it all the time. Uh, for those who are married, I'm sure you can test that theory of your spouse, and for those who are not married, I'm sure you can test that on your own. Because <laughs> if you're like me, who probably thought I need no help from no one, then you and I are mistakenly wrong, beloved. We are mistakenly wrong. We think that we are... We have the power and strength to do anything of our own accord. We are wrong. Anytime we are thinking this way, we place confidence in the flesh, something that we ought not to do. We put confidence in our flesh by trying to fix our marital problems. Even to the point of trying to do things by going to school. Not really depending on the Holy Spirit, but on our flesh. The point is, as you can see behind me, Paul said, I would not boast, I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For when I am weak, then I am strong, beloved. Beloved, the person who takes their weakness as their strength is the one who God is looking upon the most. It is nothing in our strength that we can do of our own selves. And for those who are weak, for those who, who, who take pride in their weakness, it is when the Holy Spirit can use that and start sanctifying you. Because any individual who is thinking that I am mighty or strong, I don't need the Lord, I can do this on my own, then you are still living according to your flesh and not by the Spirit. Because, beloved, it is the Spirit who gives us strength to overcome our sin. I have not found one Christian who said of, my, uh, one of himself that it is I who defeated sin on my own. 
Show me that Christian and I will tell you he's a liar. In John chapter uh, 6, 63, Jesus said, It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. I, um, and, and again, I'm about to use the illustration, and I'm not saying this to boast. I'm just saying this as an observation for those who do uh, conduct themselves in this manner. Whenever you go on a fast, you notice something about yourselves. You notice that the flesh desire to, the things that it often receives. Not too long ago, I went on a fast, and I noticed that I wanted to play chess. I said to myself, I wanted to fast from playing chess because it's a waste of time when it comes to my studying. But a thought came to my mind and said, let's play chess. Beloved, it is then when we identify that we must beat our flesh into submission. That's why I gave you a definition of what it means to be sanctified. Because sanctification is a progressive difficulty. It takes work. And if you're not, if you're beating your flesh into submission and you are and if you're doing that, it is the Spirit who is accomplishing everything that he desired to accomplish in you. Earlier, I showed you a video of two individuals. And I can guarantee, not just for those individuals, because they would just use, I used them for an illustration. But I can guarantee for those who do that on a regular basis, walking in church doors, the same way, leave out the same way. That is not the filling of the Holy Spirit, beloved. That is just entertainment. That is something that people gratify, uh, take gratification in. Sanctification comes in the process of when you are humbly submitting yourself to the Spirit. And when you do that, you are being filled by the Spirit, because it is He who is controlling and helping you to control your emotions and your thoughts. So some of you might be asking, well, Pastor Travis, how can I be filled with the Holy Spirit? Well, let me give you some tools so we can take home and start practicing this sanctification. Romans chapter, Romans chapter 18, verse 13. It says, it's the same verse that I used earlier. For those who live according to the flesh would die. Here's the second part of this verse. Let's read it again. For those who live according to the flesh will die. And I see I left out misspelling, but you can read it in your Bibles. But by the Spirit, you put the death, the deeds of the body, and you will live. There's that dichotomy, beloved. And you have to judge 
for yourselves, by which accord are you living? Are you living according to your own flesh, or are you living according to the Spirit? Only you can make that observation. Now, what is the Spirit, right? Scriptures gives us illustrations and metaphors. You can turn to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 17. Here's one. For those who live according to the Spirit will live. So here's your tool right here, according to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 17. Uh, I'm sorry, Ephesians chapter, yeah, 6, verse uh, 17. Disregard what's behind me. Um, it says, Behind me, it says, uh, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 17, but it's not. It's uh, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 17. We there say amen. Amen. Here's the tool, beloved. Remember that scripture, that passage, for those who live according to the Spirit will live. According to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 17, it says, And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of what? Of God. What do we do with the, with the sword? We don't we sure don't make peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Two things that you do with the sword, beloved. Either you go on the offensive side of things or the defensive side of things. Either you're attacking something and putting it to death or you're defending yourself until you can attack again. And this is what the Lord wants us to do, to take the word of God and start putting to death the deeds of our bodies. The more that you do it, beloved, the more that you will be spirit-led. That's the difference. Not just being filled, because that's just a metamine, another substitution, another name, or substitution to name something, but being spirit-led. Where every single waking moment of your lives you have been led by the Holy Spirit and if you like the terms been filled that's what you've been doing Hebrews said the same thing Hebrews says for the word of God is the living and the active sharper than any two edged sword piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. The more that you are sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening to his words, obeying his commands, the more you will have discernment of your own thoughts, of your own intentions in your heart. Hearts, beloved. 
is simple. There is nothing theatrical as you have seen in the video. Is it hard? Of course it is. I don't, I can't, for those who, who are in the Lord and continue to strive to the sanctification, in some of your translations, whenever you see the word sanctification, it translates in the NIV as holiness. And it's interesting to me how the Holy Spirit just maneuver his, himself into this service. Vit song and the praising song about holiness. Two weeks ago, Melvin preached about holiness as a point. It's amazing. The Spirit Himself desires us to be holy. He desires us to continue to be sanctified by the Word of God. This is this is what, what Paul said again. In Second Corinthians chapter seven, verse one, he was talking to the Corinthian church, a church that was so sinful, a church that dealt in debauchery, a church that dealt in a very in, in a lot of sins such as sexuality. This is what he says. He's encouraging them. He says, since we have the promise, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of the body and spirit, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. In the fear of God. If you're awake, say amen. Amen. Here's an explanation for holiness. When you think about holiness, think about God's perfect attributes. Everything that God is and will always be, will always be perfect. Now, if he is commanding us, since he is commanding us to be perfect and be holy, our character should reflect his character. That is the explanation of holiness, beloved. As he said in Peter, be holy for I am holy. He said that uh, with the children of Israelites as they was traveling through the desert, be holy for I am holy. Beloved, if you want to be filled, if you want to be spirit-led, then be holy. Because it is by the Holy Spirit who will continue to produce the fruits in your life. That is what it means to be spirit-filled or be filled by the Spirit. As I mentioned, um, the best for for uh, young ladies, uh, Jacinta, Olivia, Miriam, Haley, Passion, 
and the rest of the children, even to the men, Mark, and everybody else. When you get married, and Corey, <laughs> when you get married, you would know. You would know if you were being sanctified. And here's the reason I keep on bringing this up, this illustration. It's because I notice my sin more when, I, when I'm contending with my wife. If I don't like something, I tell her. If she don't like something, she tells me. It is our sin that is, that is contending with each other because we like what we like. Now, if you take that illustration and you apply it, even if you're single, if you take that and you apply it for yourself and say, if it's the Holy Spirit who is producing fruit in me and, and leading me to be in holiness, my sin would not contend with my spouse. And if your spouse has been filled by the Spirit, her sin or his or her sin would not be contending with you. Lastly, let's... Uh, and as you can see behind me, I wrote the Greek words again because I want you to be filled, beloved. I want you to be filled by the Holy Spirit. So let's briefly go over these Greek words again. The first one you see is plimplimate, right? It means to be filled. As you can take notice in the book of Ephesians chapter 4, I believe, where it says, don't be filled with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. So it talks about consumption. All right? It gives that illustration. That's why we get that, this word, be filled, from. Right? It talks about a person who is controlled by emotions as well. The second one, second bullet point, implimplimate. You don't have to write down these Greek words. So you don't have to do that. But whenever you come across these, uh, the English word field, these are the connotations that the scripture gives off. Right? So, implipame means to be satisfied. I know a lot of people can relate to this. Right? We, as a church body, we love to eat. <laughs> to the point where I think sometimes we're sinning. Oh, 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 my bad. <laughs> Let me bad that. But we say to ourselves, we are satisfied. I am full. Just like the water that has been poured in a basket or perfume that is that's permeated within a house, you can smell it. It is filled with that scent. And last one, again, pleru, kind of means the same thing as plimplimate, to be filled with emotions. For Let me give you a small example. When you ever Anytime that you're mad or upset or angry or disgusted, 
are fed up, you are filled with anger. Anybody can be filled with anger. They can be filled with jealousy, enviousness. And that goes to the same thing. We can be filled with contentedness, holiness, purity. And the reason I'm showing you these Greek words is because I'm going to take you to Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 through 23. A very familiar text, right? Here's are the fruit of the Spirit, beloved. Those words that you have seen, you can apply it to the words that is in this text. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love. Say it with me. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and what? Self-control. So you want to be filled with the Spirit, beloved? Broadcast these attributes. Because these attributes and characteristics is the exact characteristic of God himself. So be filled. Be filled. If you want to be filled by the Holy Spirit, be sanctified and be holy. Amen? Amen. Let us pray. Uh, Father, I do ask you that you will continue to produce the fruits that you already doing in the lives of your people.